Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are here for our second interview with none other than Alex Sharfin. And Alex has dedicated his life to answering the question, how do you make a business grow, which evolved into a larger calling to understand how do you help people grow? It was this transition that led Alex quite unexpectedly to uncover a previously mislabeled and misunderstood population among us, the entrepreneurial personality type. For the past two decades, Alex has created and curated proven business philosophies, models, and strategies geared specifically to entrepreneurs. Expert in business growth with majority owner of several multi-million dollar businesses, Alex has been invited to share his strategies with business owners across the country and around the world. He's been featured on MSNBC, CNBC, Fox News, The Wall Street Journal, USA Today, The Huffington Post, uh, to provide his unique views and insights. He's here today to share his story with us as well as his message, which I think is really, really, really important. So, Alex, thank you for joining us today, my friend. How are you doing? Doing well, Daryl. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. And, you know, we just started the call before talking about being physically active and might be something to talk about because I'm kind of on a big kick, not just my, my own life, but with some friends and family. Is that important for entrepreneurs to be physically active? <laughs> it may be the most important thing. Um, and why do you say that? Well, you know, Daryl, I think that, that as entrepreneurs, we're different than the rest of the world. Um, you know, I think we <clears throat> we uh we aren't like the rest of the population. We, you, my definition of the entrepreneurial personality type is a physiologically sensitive momentum-based being that is highly reactive to constraint and mm. constraint anywhere. And for people like us, when we feel constraint in our bodies, when we feel constraint in our physiology, when we feel constraint in, in, you know, in, in our, 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 just in, in when we're sitting around, it can help, it can get us to the point where we feel that constraint everywhere. And, you know, for people like us, when we feel constraint, it slows us down. It weighs us down. It creates pressure and noise in our lives. And, you know, for, for people, for entrepreneurs, the, the, the very things that make you magical in the world, when there's high pressure and noise in your life are going to turn on you. And, you know, we all know that when the, the, the present gets too difficult, we can like our behaviors turn on us. Like we will turn on those around us. That's when we don't do the right, right things. That's when we make bad decisions. That's when we, you know, tend to do things that eventually lead to us crashing and burning. And so, um, it's crucial that, that we, we understand who we are and we understand that for us, it's, it's about lowering pressure and noise and, um, when, when you don't move physically, it builds up pressure and noise for people like us. Like I, you know, I, my theory on the entrepreneurial personality type is that we are the evolutionary hunters and we are those who are driven to get up every day and go out into the world. And, you know, we go into the future and create a new reality and bring it back to the present and make it real. That's like going on the hunt. And so there is a physiological aspect to who we are. And when we shut that down, we shut down part of our creativity, part of our ability to see the future, part of our ability to lead, because we need the physiological outlet of movement of the right types of movement to help us create the success that we're capable of. 
And, you know, today, Daryl, I work exclusively with on a one on one basis. Like we have a lot of products that, that work for just about any entrepreneurial personality type to get them to a higher level of success that they're at, they're at today. And but where I spend my personal time is with entrepreneurs that are over the million dollar mark and, and a lot of them in the tens of millions. And that's where I coach the most on physiology. That's where I coach the most on staying out of the physiological reaction of fight or flight. That's where I coach mm. the most on, on keystone habits of what keeps you in the game. And so for any entrepreneur, you know, movement, getting exercise, doing the right types of movement, it's not an option if you want to reach the level of success you're capable of. And, you know, for me, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I coach my clients in, in a very blunt manner and I tell them that any present constraint creates a future limitation. And if you're out of shape in the present, that changes everything you're doing because I, you know, I, I don't care what anybody says about how they feel being overweight. I've been there. I was 300 pounds almost. Mm, wow. And, oh yeah. I mean, I've got before and after, after pictures where people don't recognize me. And I got to the place where I ballooned up and I know, you know, when somebody says like fat people are lazy, they are so wrong. Do you know how hard it is to be overweight? It was right. like, that was, I never worked so hard in my life just to like be every day. Yeah. That's, yeah. it's not, it's a struggle too. And I bet you it feels a very entrapping, like you don't know what you're doing right or wrong. Yeah, no, it was, it was brutal. Like when, when you get to the place where, so what happened to me was through, throughout my twenties, I, you know, in my, when I was younger, I was trying to put on muscle. So I started doing some crazy dieting and then I, um, I got to the point where I was bigger, you know, I put on a lot of muscle weight and then, um, in my early twenties, I started running the consultancy. And so, um, I had been bodybuilding and eating as a bodybuilder for a while. And then I continued to like, I built this business and I stopped taking care of myself because the business built mm -hmm. so fast. It was overwhelming. And mm. then, and also the business, the stress of the business was so high that, um, I started like cortisol overload and, you know, I had leaky gut, which back then was called a bleeding ulcer. And I had, uh, you know, I was on hypertensive medication. I was on, it was crazy, Daryl. Wow. And, and, you know, when you, when you, like I, I grew a business to $250 million in my twenties. And, but it wow. was like redlining every day. I read this book where I read a book about Bill Gates and it said that Bill Gates never took a day off in his twenties. So I thought, okay, well there's the goal. And mm -hmm. I worked seven days a week, you know, 16 hours a day and it almost killed me. And right. so when, when entrepreneurs ask me like, what's the importance of importance of movement? Um, yeah, that's what brought me out of it. And, you know, I was successful when I had a $250 million company, I was successful. But when I look at the amount, like the, the, how much my, like I made what my margins mm -hmm. were, you know, I ran a $250 million business and my margins were like between two and 3%. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. It was like, I was a hiccup away from being out of business every single year. And it was this massive consultancy where the, our costs were super high and like most of what came in went right back out. And wow. because I, I, you know, I had like just huge contracts where the expenses, expenses were massive and like everybody got a percentage of stuff. And so like when everything got broken down, I, the margins were crazy tight cause I didn't know what I was doing. And so, you know, like, I got to the place where it just, it, I got consistently worse to, to the place where it was 300 pounds. And, and I, I came out of it by selling that business and getting back to like working out and being physically fit. And Daryl, you know, I, I coach entrepreneurs at the highest level, like the top 3% of entrepreneurs in the United States. And they're like the top half of 1% of entrepreneurs in the world because they're at a million dollar plus in gross revenue um, or mm -hmm. at that run rate. And this is one of the single biggest accelerators that I use at that level. It's physical fitness. Uh-huh. Yeah, I believe that. I've actually been doing some research for a couple of new projects and, uh, and markets that I've been trying to enter. And I, I must have researched seven different markets. And I'm settling in on one to be the older athlete. And when I did the, da the data and the research, they are the most affluent in at least America for sure. Ath people who are physically active, there's a direct – 
correlation. I don't know if it's causation. It sounds like talking to you, it is a causation, but with fitness level and, you know, an age and wisdom experience in years, but also an income. And I wonder if it's also because it keeps you productive and focused and helps your brain. And movement is such a phenomenal thing for your brain itself. I mean, that's the cornerstone. A lot of animals, when you look at species like the koala or any animal that doesn't move, they have really small brains. Their brains have like basically deteriorated because they don't need it all because there's no movement. When you move, the landscape around you is changing. You might trip on something. You got to balance yourself. Like all these different things happen versus if you just are just attached to a rock, you know what I mean? Kind of just blowing in the wind or with the waves. So um, totally different uh, physiological requirements to survive. Now, you mentioned two things I want to bring back up. I love the one thing you said, any present constraint creates a future limitation. I really like that. When you said that, that's very, very, very insightful. But you also talked about your keystone habits and that being physically fit and active was one of them. Is What are the other places that you see a lot of entrepreneurs messing up that aren't at the million dollar level? Um, well, it's, it's just, it's having the right keystone habits, Daryl. You know, I think if, if I look at any entrepreneur from, and really just any entrepreneur, let's just talk entrepreneurs in general at any level. Um, some of what I say will be aimed at the, the million dollar plus client, but like just entrepreneurs at any level, the biggest issue that we all have is that we don't have enough time to do everything that we really want to do. Mm. And so we end up sacrificing time all over the place. And the challenge is that if we were willing to put some process in place and install the right keystone habits, like a morning routine, like staying very, very hydrated, like eating the right nutritious foods, like, you know, and and we figured out processes in order to make those all easy for us and to benefit us at the highest level, everything we do becomes amplified. Mm. And so... Mm. When we don't do those things, we have to then accept the fact that everything we do is de-amplified. And so as an entrepreneur, you have to ask yourself, am I willing to have everything that is an output from me de-amplified? And if you are, like there's a lot of people who are. I've actually worked with people who are they're, They, you know, they go out drinking every night at five o'clock and they drink until seven o'clock and they're totally cool with it. And they're fine with like never getting deep sleep. And they, they, you know, they're, they're usually not at a level of success that I would be okay with. Right. And, right. and they're, they're <laughs> never at a level of like personal success that I would accept. But for mm. me, like I, the, you know, it's, it's crucial that we, we maintain like the highest level of presence and awareness. Cause that's how we do what we do. Right. So how do you do that? You mentioned a couple of things, staying hydrated, having a morning routine, you mentioned processes. Now, is that a process in terms of like having a method of doing something or is that a process in, a, in terms of being better able, a better able to work with, with others and a team? Well, the answer is yes, all of it. So for people like us, (laughs) yeah, no, I mean, because you, you know, there's not one of us who reaches our full potential alone. And if you want to get to a real number as an entrepreneur, you can't do it with just contractors. You're eventually going to have to build the team. And Mm. what I do, you know, I have a course called Momentum Masterclass, Daryl. And Mm -hmm. it is the keystone. It's actually the same course that I share with my my high-end coaching clients. And they, you know, that, that that's a $48,000 a year program. But the first thing they go through is Momentum Masterclass, which we sell um, for $9.97. And Momentum Masterclass is all the keystone habits that my million dollar plus clients use to keep themselves in momentum, to make sure that like they don't get taken out of the game. Because here's what happens, like for anybody who doesn't have a morning routine, if you you know, here's what people tell me all the time. Yeah, I've never had a problem with my morning routine. It's kind of in my head. You know, everything works pretty good. You know, I remember to do everything. There's never really an issue. And and I'm like, okay, great. So just write it down, write it down and have it on a checklist. And then like watch the checklist and see if you're doing it the same way every day and just see if you really are following the routine. And Mm. and what the reason that I have people do that is because as soon as they write it down, they realize there really isn't a clear routine there. And mm-hmm. when they do write it down and then they start like doing something like looking at how long it's taking, they realize that maybe they can make it faster. And, you know, when we look at a, like something like a morning routine and here's what happens, 
the, the, like those are two benefits, but here's the reason why it's critical for an entrepreneur. This is why it's a keystone habit because there will be a time if you are growing a business at a very high rate where you get up one morning and your mind can't remember your morning routine mm -hmm. and take it from someone mm -hmm. who knows, because I've done this over and over again, you get a, into a growth curve in a business where so much of what is going on in that company is in your head that you really can't remember to like brush your teeth. You'll forget two times in a week. And mm -hmm. one of the defensive measures you can have as an entrepreneur to keep yourself on track when your business goes into hyper growth is to have a written morning routine that you know supports you physiologically, cognitively, and chemically, and make sure that you're covering the foundations of breathing to oxygenate, hydration to hyperhydrate and, and hyperhydration. So making sure you're drinking enough nutrition. So you're taking on the right type of nutrition for you and then movement. And if you're doing those things in a morning routine every morning and you have it written down and you're doing it like at a pace that is, that's fast because you'll find once you write it down, it goes faster just because you wrote it down. What you'll find mm -hmm. is that's that's like that's your insurance policy for when you go into hyper growth. And here's what's interesting: mm -hmm. when you build the insurance policy, you tend to go into hyper growth. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I know we had to talk about this too on social media a while, but we were comparing our morning routine notes. And one thing I really liked is that you had a thing to sync with your wife and check your calendar every morning. That that was something you had on your checklist. Made me laugh because I. It's funny because what you just said, like I actually have shower and brush my teeth on my checklist because as an entrepreneur, there's busy days you wake up. You just don't get it done, right? Like you're like, oh, it's four o'clock. I haven't showered or brushed my teeth. You know, like I, I missed that part of my morning. So I definitely, definitely, definitely understand that as a critical thing that people must get done. Now, is that I guess is that an issue at all? I guess it's an issue at all levels, whether things are going good or things are going bad. It's really easy to get lost in the in the sway. But you think that everybody needs a morning routine, that there's no real variance in that, that that's just something that people need to get comfortable with. Well, I mean, I don't think everybody. I think entrepreneurs need them. You know, like, here's why. Here's why, Daryl. We're different than the rest of the world. Like, I see four different populations in the world. This is this is this is my my theory on the entrepreneurial personality type. See, the the first population that's in the world is a caretaker. Like they're the people who like take care of other people. They actually like the act of taking care of other people. So, Daryl, um, the qualification question for this is: Do you like changing bedpans? <laughs> okay. Do you enjoy changing bedpans, Daryl? No. Okay, no, so you're not a caretaker. But dude, I've, I've been around people and I've asked the question, like I've seen somebody change a bedpan and I'll say, do you like changing bedpans? And I've had people look at me and congruently and like with, with like a little of emotion say, well, Alex, if that person needed me and I was here to be of service and I was able to, to, to be there for them, then yes, you know, that, that, you know, I, I do, that makes me feel fulfilled. And I'm always like, what the hell are you talking about? But right, but right. the world but, needs those people and that population, like our evolutionary tribe needed that population, Daryl. So so mm -hmm. for anybody listening, if your answer was no, you're not a caretaker. You know, you might want to take care of other people. You might have those instincts you might like to do, but like that's not your main drive. Let's see what it is. Let's see. There's four. So let's go to the second one. The second one is <laughs> the communicators. And communicators love the act of communication. They love to talk. They like to, um, you know, tell people what's going on. They like to talk about what's happening. They like to talk about like anything really. They're they're communicators, and a lot of entrepreneurs they first think they're caretakers, then they think they're communicators. The disqualification question here is, Daryl, do you enjoy small talk? Hmm. No, not really. I don't like meaningless right. talk. I don't mind a couple of words to get through, but yeah, it's got to have purpose. Right. So you're not a communicator. See, entrepreneurs will talk with an outcome, but we do not like small talk. Like for me, I, as soon as small talk starts, I'm like, how do I get away from this guy? Or do I just fake a heart attack? Because like, it's the yeah. most painful thing in the world for me. <laughs> you know, so if, if you, if you enjoy, but here's the thing, dude, Daryl, I've seen two communicators at a water cooler in a fortune 500 company mm -hmm. talk for 45 minutes about a 30 minute television show. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, and like they just mm-hmm. talk. And but if, uh, did our evolutionary tribe need the person who talked about anything? Yes, we needed someone to carry on oral tradition, to talk about what was happening, mm-hmm. to tell us like where the, the current emergency was or where the where the woolly mammoth was coming from, like all of those things, because guys like you and I just probably wouldn't have. We're not big talkers, right? right. Unless there's an outcome. And so you needed people to fill in the gaps. Now, the third, so if you're not a communicator, let's move on to the third. I call them the coordinators. Now, coordinators are, are the ones that like details, the fine print. They like to uh, memorize things. They like to organize things. They like lists. They like to know, you know, where things are. They, 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 uh, they like to classify and put rules in place. Like the coordinators, the, the question for the coordinator is a disqualification question, Daryl, is do you enjoy being on committees? Mm. <laughs> right aren't they brutal yeah death death by care it's funny i had a business that was killed by committees i was trying to put something in on a university campus in the place i was it was the perfect location and there were seven different committees that had to sign off on it and i was buying lunches and schmoozing people and when one one or two people weren't comfortable with it everybody stepped back and it was just the most frustrating <laughs> frustrating experience six months of my life. Right. Never and you dealt with people who make decisions in groups, which are people who really don't make decisions, you know, and, right. but, but the, what yeah. they do like to do is they like to read about decisions. They like to have rules that tell them what to do with decisions. Right. I mean, am I, am I close? Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are the coordinators mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and coordinators. Like the challenge for people like you and I is if we're going to have an issue with anyone, it's the coordinators because we're the ones who are like, does this rule need to be here? And the coordinators are the ones who are saying like, not only does the rule need to be here, we need more rules. Like Daryl, it's like, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been on a plane and had, and a stewardess has like said something to me and I've said something back and they've gone and gotten like the magazine from the plane and opened it to the page of rules and quoted like some freaking rule to me. And I'm always like, what a coordinator. I don't care about that page of rules. Like, why are you using the magazine as authority? Why don't you just tell me what you want me to do? Like, what the hell? But like, those are coordinators. <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about? And so, mm-hmm. but did our evolutionary tribe need them? And do we need them today? Yes. Like, man, you'll need them in your businesses because when you find a good one, that's like, you know, leans towards the last group they'll help you like organize. They'll help you put things in the right place. They'll help you build processes. Now, if you're not one of the first three groups, you're probably in the last one. And so Daryl, if our evolutionary tribe had the people who take care of other people, the people who carry on oral tradition, do, you know, tell people what's going on. And then the people who organize things, put them in place, coordinated, what are we missing? We're missing the leaders of the hunters, the evolutionary hunters. You know, when I mm. when I look at the entrepreneurial personality type, this physio- physiologically sensitive momentum based being, I see the evolutionary hunters and the qualification question for this group is, can you turn it off? Right. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Daryl, the rest of the world can. You know, the rest right. of the world right now, there is a significant percentage of the population that most people would deem successful that are working as hard as they can so they can get to the day where they don't have to do anything. Can you imagine mm-hmm. the torture yeah, that- of doing nothing when, you know, <laughs> when I told the, the, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm the, yep. the consultancy that I told you about, I sold that Daryl. I, I quote unquote retired when I met Katie because I met her when I was 30 at about, and it took me a, a couple of years to sell like the company and to sell some contracts we had and to get out of everything. But I wound it down as fast as I could. And I quote unquote retired. It lasted like three weeks. It was the longest three weeks of my life. Whenever anybody says like, do you have a retirement fund? I mean, yeah, Katie and I have money, but that set, set aside, but dude, there is no such thing as retirement for me there. I would rather like I, yeah. to me, not having a purpose is torture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? And it sounds great for a lot of people. That's why I say it sounds great. Like I'm in the Philippines now. I actually live on a beautiful tropical island and in, in, in 30, 40 minutes, I'll be on one of the, like a world-class beach, but I, like, I can't do more than go for an afternoon. And that's like, that's dedicated rest. Like I've trained and exercised and worked so much. I know I need to go rest. So I'm going to rest, but that's what I'm doing. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I'm still doing something just like how silence is part of music. Like that's my plan downtime because I've learned I can burn out 
because right you just you can't shut it off um and to just when people think that like oh i want to make a bunch of money and i would just relax on the beach and do nothing it just you just it's so boring you 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 crave i mean once you've come overcome some of those basic survival instincts that need for significance for purpose and meaning i mean that's something that even a lot of uh elderly people are facing they f- they feel insignificant they don't feel va- valuable and that's like a, a need we need to belong we need to have purpose we need to fit in to this cog of, of society somehow so we're a value we just don't want to be on the sidelines you know observing everything and i think that that's a really key point for anyone that that feels they have any sort of skill or ability to con- contribute to the world in any way you just can't sit there for long. And like you said, it might last three weeks, maybe three months, you know, but at some point you just can't, you can't, you just, you can't, you start developing dust and moss and you just like, what am I doing? You know, we're evolutionary so. hunters, Daryl. Here's the problem. I want everyone to like, just think about the fact that every time you set a goal or outcome in your life and Daryl for you too, this is a question Isn't it true that as you approach the finish line, as you achieve the goal, the accomplishment meant less to you the closer you got to it? Then finally, when you achieved it, it was like you were on to the next one. Am I close? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, no, of course. I want to understand something like the achievement of retirement will mean nothing to you because the next step is is nothing. Mm And here's why that's so important, because you are an evolutionary hunter. You are the small percentage of the population that has been pre-programmed to get up every day, go into the future, create a new reality, come back to the present and force it to become freaking real. And you can't do Mm, that in mm, retirement. mm, mm. So when people Mm. ask me, do I help my clients with exit strategies? Every one of my clients has an ironclad exit strategy in full company documentation, along with a full operating manual of entire their entire organization with the right type of work chart, with a real leadership structure, so their companies are worth incredible amounts of valuation. However, my advice to all of them is don't sell a freaking thing. Make it as big as you can. Take it all the way. Go into go into eight figures, then go to nine figures. See if you can get beyond that. Because as an entrepreneur, when you grow a company to a million dollars, you can get to to eight figures. If you can get to a million, you can get Mm. to 10. I prove it every single day with my clients. And then for a select Mm -hmm, few, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a gateway to go even further. And you will learn more about yourself and what you are capable of when you force your company into those upper numbers then anyone in the world has the privilege to learn. I know I've done it. Mm, mm, mm. So I, I almost want to ask what are like, <laughs> that's just, just such a big window. What, what is it that separates an eight figure business plot to a nine figure business? The communication structure within the company, Daryl, it's one thing. It's the communication structure. It's how well can the CEO of the company along with the leadership team predict the future then communicate that future to everyone in the business so that they understand what the outcomes and goals are moving forward, not some BS vision or mission or crap that scares the shit out of everybody because there's no plan to get there, but an actual real directive for here's where the company's going and this is what we're going to measure to see if we're successful and here's what each person, here's the role everyone plays. And as soon as you have that in a company with the right communication structure where people are hearing from hearing where you're going on a routine basis, the company starts growing. And the problem for most entrepreneurs mm. is they're stuck in the hell of transactional management where you are telling people what mm. to do, checking that it got done, and then telling them what to do again. It's like the, the entrepreneurs that work exclusively with contractors. You have a lot of people as process where you tell them what to do, check that it got done, tell them what to do again. And the only way right. that you scale a company to the upper numbers is you transition to transformational leadership where you give clear outcomes and you then you coach success along the way and you get leveraged returns. And that's the transition from transfer transactional leadership to tra- or sorry, transactional management to transformational leadership. And when you lead that way, you can now have a company that can chase multiple outcomes without you being the only one doing it. And until you're willing to lead mm. that way, your company will be limited by what you are capable of. And I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs 
who have gotten to seven and sometimes eight figures, low eight figures, through transactional management. Transactional management. But there is a hard ceiling of how far you can grow without delegating some of the success to the people around you. And the only way you grow a world-changing organization is to start doing that from the beginning. And it's the hardest thing in the world for entrepreneurs to do. But when we grow the right type of team around us, that's when we really transform everything in the, like everything that we're doing. That's when things really change. That's when we hit the accelerator pedal. And when we allow that team to know where we're going so they can be out in front of us rather than chasing us, that's when everything changes. And Daryl, that's what I focus on Mm. showing, like we have the systems and the structure that people can go through in their business so that they install exactly that. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I love how you said that delegating the success to others, that's really just empowering other people to have some sort of skin in the game and an incentive to go out and, like you say, do on their own versus the, the like you said, I guess you call it transactional, that transactional form. Well, and, and here's what I mean. I, that's I, really know, I don't necessarily mean like they have, they're getting paid on something, but here's what I mean by delegating success, Daryl. When you first start in business, you do everything by nature of you're the only person there. And then when you right. first start growing past that, like I've helped a lot of entrepreneurs at the entry levels, you know, grow past that. And what, what you must do to grow past that is you have to start delegating the tasks that you do, the things that you do, right. the steps that you are involved in. And oftentimes you can have contractors and you know people who work hourly do those types of things. But then you grow the business to the point where you now have to start delegating outcomes to someone. And that means you have to be able to tell someone, here's what I want it to look like when it's done and then coach their decision-making along the way and get them to where it's done because you won't be able to do all of it. And then you're gonna have Mm. to be able to delegate success, which means here's the successful outcome that I want, Not, not the here's the project outcome, here's the number I want, here's the amount I want, here's Here's the metric that measures success, and I want you to go build the system to get there. Because when your business gets big enough, you have to jump through those transitions in leadership in the way you talk to the people who are most proximal to you. Hmm. And that sounds like there's a lot of investment, too. I mean, when you delegate the success to someone, that also means for an entrepreneur who's probably really used to having a lot of control – you are, you are giving that control and whether they're doing it well or not well, you, you know, you have to, it's almost like living vicariously. If you have a kid in a saw in a, in a baseball game, you can't swing the bat, catch the ball. You've got to try to execute your goals through that person, which could be a really big struggle for a lot of people that tend to be control, uh, tend to enjoy no, it's the biggest struggle entrepreneurs have Daryl. The challenge for all of us is mm. that, you know, we, we as entrepreneurs, I call it the entrepreneur's dilemma. We, uh, we all need far more help than the average person to reach our full potential, but any need to request help from anyone leaves us feeling vulnerable and exposed. We don't like to ask for help. When, mm. we, when, you know, when I hear control freak, what I hear is someone who won't ask for help. And then whenever mm. I talk to someone who who says they're a control freak, but they want to build a world world changing organization, you know, the conversation is very clear. You have to, like, learn how to cope with that and get past it and put process in place so that you're willing to cede enough control so that you understand enough of what's going on. But you now start letting people execute at a higher level for you. And Daryl, the. The thing to do if you've never done it is to start at the right level. What happens is people start, you know, they they start a business and they're doing everything. And their first move is go hire a person to try and help them do everything. And, you know, a lot of times when you've started a business, like your first move might be to get help with the kids. And your first move might be to get a private chef and your next move, like to get somebody to come in and do some cooking for you. Like if you're making money in that business, like offload some things that are less expensive than hiring mm-hmm. a person. Start getting your groceries delivered so that you can then have more mm-hmm. hours and then start looking at how do you cover what you're doing with contract labor where it's variable costs for you. And then, then you know, eventually you get to the place where then you, you start bringing in the right people. And then, Daryl, there's transitions above that that every entrepreneur needs to do. I think one of the challenges is, is that so many entrepreneurs, it's like, I'm busy. I'm going to go hire a body to try and make it all better. And that never works. 
Mm, right, right, right. It's where we have to have systems thinking and be able to design something that will work better. A machine of some sort, a process, a multi, multi-step multi uh, process, a multi-step system. That way it's not just some sort of Band-Aid solution where I'm going to hire this person. They're going to be magic. They're going to fix everything. They're going to read my mind and know what I want, when I want, how I want it, just because... You know, the, the easiest thing to do that. The I easiest thing to lot. do, Daryl, is you draw pictures in Lucid Chart. You go go to you know, get get mm. on Google Drive because that's the best way to run a company right now. That's the best technology. And then there's a program called Lucid Chart, and you just flow, draw flow charts of of what are the the processes in your company that you you're executing. And as soon as you see it in a flow chart, you're going to think, I bet there's a person I can hire that if I showed them this, they could do this thing. And then you start at least strategic right. and you start figuring out how you find people to cover big portions of what you do. And then that's how you elevate your day-to-day activities in a business. Um, right, right. Yeah, because there's only so many hours in a day. And that's where many hands make for light work. And what I love is if you look up the word entrepreneur in the dictionary, what it says is the person who organizes a business or businesses. What it doesn't say is the person who answers the phone, mops the floors, you know, takes the call, makes the sale, delivers the product, yeah. does the taxes, right? That's not what an entrepreneur is. It's, it's someone that organizes a business where the sum is greater than the parts of the whole. And that, you know, and that after paying everybody and, and, and having everything done at the end of the day, there's profit left over. And that's what you take home for organizing it. That's your reward for organizing something that works really well, is very efficient and serves a large yeah, group of people. That dictionary definition takes me off here but well, here's oh, why okay. Daryl, because i think it's like the most like basal level description of an entrepreneur because you know what an entrepreneur really does an entrepreneur creates the future and mm-hmm. the problem is is that like that's how the entrepreneur is seen in the world is a person who owns businesses bullshit the entrepreneurs are the ones who get up every day and take a risk in thinking that they can do something that hasn't been done before, or at least that they've never done before, and then create that product, that service, that outcome, that, that new thing in the world through whatever means they can possibly make it happen. And then they drag that future that they had envisioned into the present and make it real. And they invest more time and more energy and more effort and more focus than the average person, person invests in months every freaking day. And then, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, what does the world say? They own businesses. Entrepreneurs are the only source of consistent, positive human evolution. And we always will be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do you see as some of the future trends of our industry or the future trends in terms of how it's evolving for entrepreneurs now? We've got like AI and all this technology and marketing platforms are changing and the world's getting smaller in some ways. What do you see as the future? Do you see any major changes for how business owners operate, how they scale their teams? I mean, before we used to have a lot of big companies, the industrial revolution. Now businesses are becoming more and more flat. A lot of teams are spread out across multiple countries around the world. Where do you see the future kind of going with the clients that you're working with and the trends evolving? Um, For me, Daryl, like the future is very consistent because everything that you just said just sounds like market dynamic to me. And what what I think okay. every the, the future for every entrepreneur should be learning how to create a communication system within your company where you consistently communicate to your team where you're going, how you're measuring success and who does what along the way to get there so that everyone on that team has clarity about where, what's happening in your company and what is needed, because then you can respond to any market dynamic because you're giving people outcomes rather than having them do tasks and then try and figure out what's going to happen next with that task. Because the way I look at it right. is it doesn't matter what market dynamic any company I have ever has to face. I know how to create the right types of outcomes and then coach decision-making along the way so that we get to the right outcome. So if in the future, some part of my business needs to be replaced with AI, which has recently happened with ManyChat, and we needed to have Mm. that, 
that was suggested to me by a member of my team. That's being put in place by another member of my team. They made an argument as to why it was necessary. I bought the argument. Now we're, we've got that. And so when you build a company that responds to it, that is adaptable and responds to market dynamic, it doesn't matter what future trend you're talking about, you can build a massive organization. And if you look throughout history at the entrepreneurs that were most successful in building massive organizations, what they were able to do best was create the communication structure where not only did they have the massive vision that was there, but they created the communication structure on the team that was simple enough and clear enough and executed at the highest level so that everyone in the team believed in deadlines, understood where everyone was going, knew what the scoreboards were and knew what their part was to play to get there. And, you know, when you look at a company like, for example, Apple Computer, I, my cousin runs a cross-functional team there of over 50 people. And um, he he's, you know, it's in, there's an intensity to how Apple works. Like he knows what he's going to be working on in 2021. The average entrepreneur entrepreneur's company doesn't know what they're going to be working on next week. When you start opening up the future to your mm. team, it's amazing how you can execute. Mm, 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 mm. That's really powerful. That's a really powerful vision. So now drawing on this now for those listening, I hope you've had a paper and pen because like me, I'm a writer downer. And even if you never look at it again, just by writing it down, you're more likely to remember some of this stuff. Um, we've covered so much today. Like, can we maybe get you to speak a little bit more about the pressure mm. and noise? Just explain a bit better detail what that is. I think that's one thing that we maybe didn't dive into as well as we could have. And I think it's a really important point. I know your message. I know your content. And I think that's something that would be really helpful for the audience right now. How does pressure and noise trip up a lot of entrepreneurs? Because what you're saying makes a ton of sense about building a team and helping organize everyone and communicate clearly like the goals and the futures and the outcomes and not manage tasks, but manage outcomes and coach and lead from that place. But how will pressure and noise trip them up on that? So here's here's the problem for us as entrepreneurs. And I, I want to call this out and make you aware of it for you too, Daryl, because every one of us is affected by this. Every successful entrepreneur I know has a story of going through a time of incredible hardship where they didn't have the right resources or the right amount of time or the right people around them or whatever it was to get to where they wanted to get. But then they figured out some way to break through and overcome and still make it happen and get the outcome they wanted, even though the cards were totally stacked against them. Daryl, do you have that story? Okay. Yeah. yeah so we sure. all do. Every one <laughs> of us has it. And because it's who we are, it's how entrepreneurs, like we put ourselves in those places because we're always pressed forward. We're on the hunt. And what really matters is the kill, not like the process. And so a lot of times we put ourselves into the places where that's how it feels. And so the mm -hmm. challenge is, is when you're going through one of those times, there's so much pressure and noise in your life. And you start get you you like you are a you start getting regulated to having all of that noise, having all of that pressure, having all of that that stuff going on. And then what happens is there's a successful outcome. So as entrepreneurs in the present day, we will accept far too many things that make us uncomfortable. We will put up with being uncomfortable. We will hire people on our team that make us uncomfortable and we'll leave them there. We will have people in our life mm -hmm. that every time we're around them, they make us feel judged or they make us feel smaller. They make us feel frustrated or uncomfortable for any reason. And we'll go over to their house weekly because we like mm -hmm. what happens is we don't realize that we have to start offloading pressure and noise anywhere because the more that we put up with things, the more pressure and noise that we allow in in the present, the more we're not gonna get to that outcome we want. You know, just because we, and, and we have to break this, this psychological conditioning that when I'm in pain, that's when my breakthroughs happen because that is a way to get started. Fail forward, fail fast is a good way to get out of the gate, but it is not a life strategy. There is mm. a point where you have to say, I'm going to like make this shit start working on like a calendar. 
and I'm going to show people that we can actually achieve. And I'm going to become a leader who stands in front of their team and predicts the future. Because when you become a leader that stands in front of your team and predicts the future and you do it consistently and you set rational goals where the team can achieve them and they start winning, you build a culture of winning in your company, winning consistently, and you now become a leader who predicts the future. And what you have to do is you have to set incredibly rational goals at the beginning so that the team can actually achieve those things. And then what you'll find is there's a day you're setting goals so big, you can't believe it's your company. Mm, I love that. I love that. Predicting the future with a calendar and proving it to the team. That's a powerful image because when you can predict the future with a calendar for your team, like you said, that does create a culture of winning. That creates a culture of of belief. And especially for the, uh, the, the implementers and the managers and the people that are not necessarily in the strategic end of things as much as the, the leadership team would be, you know, like they can start to see the future and just have this faith, you know, and that's such an, and, and that's such a powerful motivator, for, especially if people are building towards, maybe they kind of get it because the leadership's articulated it. But <clears throat> the reason why they have a job is because they can't envision their own futures like that. They have to come to you to get that right. Like that's why, that's why they don't, that's why that's not all of them, but that's why some of them have a job because they don't have the ability to see something in the future and go and create it. So if you can create that for them and that faith and that, that consistency and Hey, this is the new thing that's coming down the pipeline. It's going to be here end of February. That really could well, build a and, lot, and really here's lot what I mean power, by predict the future, uh, Daryl. It's, it's it's saying <clears throat> like here's where we will be at a team as a team at the end of this month. Here's mm-hmm. what we will have achieved, yeah. and then having the team consistently achieve those things, you build a culture of winning, and that's how you really grow a business. So it's it's you know it's yeah. it's telling them exactly where you're going to be on a monthly basis, and um. You know, when you look at a company like Apple that's changed multiple industries and, you know, pulled off things that like, I mean, they should be impossible how much Apple has changed and how much market share they own (laughs) in so many different like not, you know, they change entire categories. And when you look at Mm -hmm. what they do, like, you know, they're the simplicity of their communication system, the simplicity of how people work there, you know, the the fact that they know way into the future, years into the future, what they're going to be working on. In the average entrepreneurial companies, entrepreneurs say crazy stuff like, oh, well, I don't really like to plan forward because then it keeps me from being spontaneous. Well, dude, your life's going <laughs> to yeah. suck for a long time because you will never achieve what you are capable of. And until an entrepreneur is in the appropriate growth curve for their capabilities, we are never comfortable. So Alex, this has been extremely insightful. There's been a ton of great little nuggets. People listening to this may want to go back and listen another time or two just to make sure that you get it all out of this call. Um, Is there anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you, Alex? Um, You know, a lot of people ask me, like, what's the most important keystone habit? And... um, this is going to sound crazy, but for me, when I'm coaching people, it's hydration. And um, anybody who's listening, if you, no matter what, no matter what, you should go take our 10 day natural thirst challenge. Because if you've ever thought to yourself, like I should drink a little more water, or if you've ever found yourself with chapped lips, or if you, you feel like maybe you're starting to see crow's feet, or you have any type of skin or acne or psoriasis or anything like that, or you, um, you like if you're experiencing muscle pain, mm-hmm. joint pain, uh, any type of inflammation, you should go download our hydration protocol. It's at getthirstynow.com, which is kind of a joke, Daryl, because get thirsty means like get busy. But uh, <laughs> it's actually to show you how to reawaken your natural thirst. It's um, we've had thousands of people take it and the average person in the United 75 to 85 percent of the United States is dehydrated. And when you look at the top 20 medications in the United States and really you could probably go to the top 100, they treat the symptoms of diseases, but they also treat the symptoms of dehydration. And so by getting hyper hydrated and really hydrating and understanding how to respond to I have people, I've had people um, take less insulin, get off of prescription drugs, um, reverse the symptoms of chronic diseases that they were told were hereditary, lower their blood pressure, cure lifetime acne, cure lifetime psoriasis, all just by getting hydrated. And it's an absolutely free program. It takes 10 days. 
my only ask is that if you actually start it and start doing it uh, and you post anything on social media about it, um, make sure that you tag me because we want to make we want to know that you're doing it. And we've had, um, like I said, Daryl, thousands of people take it. We have a bunch of physicians that give it to people who start in their practices. And um, we have athletes and, you know, all, all kinds of different organizations that distribute it. But you can go to getthirstynow.com and check it out. And I'd love to know what you think. Yeah, no, hydration is a major topic because especially especially in recovery, like if you're because you, your blood feeds all the nutrient and, nutrients and oxygen and everything you need for your body and your brain to function. And if you're dehydrated, that comes from the liquid in your body, hence your blood. So therefore, it's it's like gooier. You know, it's like anybody knows they've made a drink of some sort, whether it was a smoothie or something that was too thick and it just didn't flow. And if you don't have good hydration, like it's going to pull it from all the uh, critical areas or it's going to pull it from the non-essential areas to serve the critical areas to begin with. But what is that doing to the rest of the body? Like you mentioned, if your joints, right, if you've got foggy brain, if you've got chapped lips, like there's just little signs that show that you're dehydrated and it seems like a minor issue, but it's a really big issue. I mean, we can't, we can go for weeks without food. You can only go a couple of days without water. And that depends what kind of climate you're in. If you're in a really hot climate, you're not even going to make it three days without water. It's such a critical thing. And it's, you know, it's, it comes to this whole, like they say, like nothing fails like success. There's that kind of that saying in the past. It's kind of like as humans, we've mastered this planet so at such a high level that we're forgetting in some ways, like the basic fundamentals of life and survival. Like, hey, stay really well hydrated. Like people take that for granted, right? And they start pounding all these soda drinks or, you know, all these fruit juices and all these things. And they forget like, hey, I really just need to make sure I'm hydrated all the time. Make sure that there's grease in the gears. And so I think that's a really good, powerful thing. I actually signed up for that. I didn't go through all 10. I got the all 10 day. I got busy. But I did probably the first three, four days. I've always been big on hydration. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful concept. And I think more people definitely need to pay attention to it. What's the URL Get again? thirstynow.com. There we go. Getthirstynow.com. And Alex, if anyone else has enjoyed the talk um, and they've enjoyed your philosophy, they want to know more about the entrepreneurial personality type. We did mention, I, I did mention it earlier, but you're working on a book hopefully later this year coming out. Exactly and the book on is going to be based on Where our can podcast, get... Daryl. Oh, so you've also got a podcast now. Perfect. So where do people get in touch if they want to hear more and find out more about you some should of the check out stuff? the Well, check out the podcast. It's MomentumPodcast.com and the name on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, um, Spotify um, is Momentum for the Entrepreneurial Personality Type. And it is um, a ton of content, but daily you will mm. understand more about yourself or understand a keystone habit or a dynamic way to offload pressure and noise. And uh, that's uh, that's one of the best places to go. Daryl's MomentumPodcast.com or just find me on iTunes. Perfect. Perfect. Alex, thank you so much. I know you have a team that you could be speaking, communicating with. I know you've got your own customers, your own followers, your own podcast, those people you could be sharing with. So thank you for coming and sharing with my audience and helping us out a little bit. It is highly appreciated. I always enjoy our talks. I just wish you and your loved ones all the best. Hey, I appreciate it, Daryl. Thanks, man. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better. And your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. 
That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.